aunties and my uncles, my father, my mother. All my nieces got no nephews, but got plenty cousins. This one is for everyone I consider a loved one. That's my word. Anyone touch my nigga served. Ain't too much, I'ma say with words. I don't care what you may have heard. Still spread love each day on earth. Still never had no baby, still trying to be the greatest to call you my bro. We don't even gotta be related, just stay loyal. If you pray for me, I pray for you. Some folk will wait until you got your break, and that'll be the day that they call you. But I've been dope, I go hard with my pencil, I go hard for my kinfolk. Hey, I go hard for my kinfolk. Shout out to the set, word the mother, then my brother, so my house squad is my kinfolk. Word. How could I even have the nerve to forget to put my family first? Try to step to me, you make it hurt. You gotta get through my family first. Yeah, that's my word. How could I even have the nerve to forget to put the family first? That's my word. I made this one for all my sisters and all my brothers. All my aunties and my uncles, my father, my mother. All my nieces got no nephews, but got plenty cousins. This one is for everyone I consider a loved one. That's my word. Yeah. And that's my word. Yeah. 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 That's my word. This program has been underwritten by Westfield State University and Springfield Public Schools. Hi, I'm Dr. Cheryl Stanley, Dean of Education at Westfield State University. And I'm Azelle Kavan, Chief Communications Officer at Springfield Public Schools. Do you want to be an inspiration, transform a life, become a teacher in your neighborhood right here in Springfield? A career as a teacher at Springfield Public Schools allows you to work in a field with many opportunities for promotions and salary increases and inspire you from your community community to dream beyond their challenges. A unique partnership between Westville State University and Springfield Public Schools paves a pathway for Springfield Public School students to become Springfield Public School teachers. For more information, contact the Springfield Public Schools High School Guidance Counselor or Westville State University. Reach to teach. WTCC would like to thank Westville State University and Springfield Public Schools for underwriting with us. Y'all ain't gonna help me preach. They Look beyond the fact that his hair wasn't done, that he hadn't shaved in a while. They look beyond the fact that he had on raggedy clothes. They look beyond the fact that her skirt was too short and she had on ankle bracelets and tattoos. Oh, God help me here now. They look beyond her makeup and her fingernail polish. They look beyond the switch that she had. I ain't talking about that that you get off the tree. <laughs> Amen. They, 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 they look beyond the fault and they saw the need and you've got to understand uh, uh, that when they reached out and when they touched him according to the culture of the day uh, it meant that they too became unclean. And I wonder today are you willing to become unclean so somebody else can get clean? Are you willing to roll up your sleeves and become dirty in the trenches so somebody else can come to know Jesus in the pardoning of their sins? They were willing to get dirty so he could become clean. They were willing to go out on the streets and touch the lives of the young who would eventually become the shooters in the community, who would eventually become the batterers in the home and the bullies in the neighborhood. They gave them affirmation. They let them know that they were somebody even if daddy was never around. They were somebody even if mama was on drugs. They were somebody regardless of what was said about them. Every faith community needs to affirm the humanity of those that are on the fringes. We need to have Saturday schools and mentoring programs and the ability to let people know that they may be impotent, but they're still important to God. Mm, they gave them affirmation. They let them know that he was somebody, regardless of how other folk looked at him, that you are somebody in church. We got to stop looking down our 
nose at folk that don't dress like us, don't look like us, don't talk like us, don't have the right diction. Come on, somebody. Don't walk like us. Amen. Break up the English every now and then. We got to stop looking down our nose at folk that are a little rough around the edges because some of y'all just rough too. You just been polished a little bit more because you've been around here a little while. Amen. We've got, we've got to understand that everybody is somebody in God. And as a matter of fact, the person that we're looking down our nose at, but for the grace of God, there go I. How many know that all it took was one turn and you could have been that person right there? Huh? All it took was one turn. You could have been on the corner. One turn. You could have been in the jailhouse. One turn. You could have been strung out. One turn. You could be dead, sleeping in your grave. But the Lord made death behave and gave you another chance. And if he gave you another chance, he didn't give it to you just so you can walk and be fancy and look good. He gave you another chance so you can touch the life of somebody else that needs another chance. You've got to affirm the humanity in somebody else. Somebody ought to say, go on and preach, Bishop. First, they gave him affirmation, but then two, notice if you will, they grabbed him by the hand and they said this. They said, in the name of Jesus. Mother Swan, they said, in the name of Jesus. Uh, Mother Maddox, they didn't say, in the name of Buddha. Uh, Missionary Stephanie, they didn't say, in the name of Confucius. Mm. Uh, and for any, if, I, if I got any right wing evangelicals in the building, they didn't say in the name of Trump. Uh, amen. Uh, but they said in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. In other words, they gave him some information because they wanted him to know that the only way that you're going to be whole, uh, you've got to meet this man uh, that we call Jesus. Uh, and how important is it for us to give uh, a current generation uh, the right information? Amen. Because Oprah's giving them information. Uh-huh. Dr. Phil is giving them information. Instagram is giving them information. Facebook is giving them information. The internet is giving them information. BET is giving them information. The television is giving them information. Every one of these series on Netflix and Hulu and everywhere else is giving them information. And the church needs to step up and it needs to give a counterculture message in this day and time where there's a celebration of ignorance. It's important that we don't celebrate ignorance. It's important for us to realize that as ignorance is being spewed in the interest of intelligence, we've got to countermand it. We've got to give this culture a different set of circumstances, a different set of information to believe. See, together we've got to inform our communities about health disparities and how to live healthier lives and tell them uh, you don't have to get in the prayer line so much if you stop eating so much fried food. I know I'm going to mess up my church right here. Uh, Amen, somebody. Uh, Your sugar won't be going up so much if you stop eating that extra piece of tater pie. Go on and preach, Bishop. I think I will. Uh, We've got to collectively inform our people about the importance of education. We've got to do that in the home. We've got to do that at church. We've got to do that at the community center and everywhere else. We've got to inform our people about issues of concern. We've got to teach our people how to save money, how to fix their messed up credit. Uh, Come on, somebody. Well, Pastor, I can't get a house. Your credit score is 299. Y'all ain't gonna help me preach in here today. Uh, amen. We've got to give them information. Uh, amen. See, the church, it ain't always just about uh, spiritual things. Amen. Uh, but we got to deal with natural things. Uh, uh, can you prove that, Bishop? The Bible says first natural. I know I'm in the book. Uh, then 
him spiritual. What, 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 what was he saying? He said, in other words, a hungry man can't hear you talking about Jesus uh, until you feel his belly. Once you give him something to eat, God help me preach, uh, and he's on a full belly. Uh, then he can hear about you. Can I prove it? Everybody that was sick, that was infirm, that was lame, that Jesus saved, he healed first. Am I in the right house? Uh, the blind man, he healed him first. Uh, amen, somebody. Uh, the lame man, he healed him first. Uh, the lepers, he healed first. The man with the withered hand, he healed first. Uh, he dealt with their physical malady. He dealt with their sickness, with their infirmity. And after he dealt with their infirmity, then he dealt with them spiritually. Then he said, now go and sin no more. Come on, somebody. And so we've got to deal with people's physical problems. we got to deal with folk that are home. Homeless folk don't want to hear you talking about Jesus until they have a place to stay. God help me preach in here. Uh, you can't go onto a bridge and say, uh, 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 pray to Jesus, pray to the sinner's prayer with me, and then leave them up under the bridge. Amen. I, I know I'm preaching, church. Uh, Preach on, amen. We, we got to deal with that problem first. Uh, and we've got to let our young men know that being a man is not based on what they've been taught in this patriarchal male-dominated world that teaches them that maleness is predicated on physical strength toughness and the ability to fight back. We've got to counterman the lie uh, that has been taught which causes uh, the mentality that to prove their worth, they've got to use their hands and not their head. Oh my God, that to prove that they're a man, they got to use the tool that's in their pants and not the tool that's in their head. We need to inform and train our girls uh, uh, that you don't need a man to affirm you uh, that you are all right all by yourself uh, amen somebody that you don't need some uh, trifling negro uh, uh, to be living up on you uh, while you going to work every day uh, and you bringing home the bacon frying it up in the pan uh, and you ain't got to uh, make him know he's a man if he don't know he's a man on his own he ain't gonna ever know it y'all ain't gonna help me preach in here today you, oh god I don't know why I'm going here uh, you don't need some big burly negro laying up on your, on your couch while you at work flipping through channels on your cable that you pay for going in the refrigerator eating food uh, that you got with your EBT card uh, driving your car around that you pay the car note on on the gas that you put in the car. Uh, you ought to tell that Negro to get out of here because I can do bad all by myself. Somebody say preach, Bishop. Preach, Bishop. We got to give them information. We got to train our faith leaders to identify uh, uh, potential uh, violent offenders. Refer them to resources. Uh, address the physical problems. Deal with our young folk that can't read. And deal, uh, Sister Smith, with some of our older folk that can't read too well. Am I in the right house? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Lord have mercy. We've got to deal with uh, the fact that we need to give people some information. Uh, amen, saints of God. Uh, and then after we give them information, uh, we've got to give them inspiration. Uh, oh my God, the text says, and they lifted him up. The man got up. Walking and leaping and praising God. We got to give them inspiration. The text says the man started walking, which means first he was healed physiologically. He was healed physically, but he got more than a change physically. He was leaping and praising God, which means he received a change psychologically because no longer did he care about what other folks 
thought about him. We've got to inspire folk to change the way that they think. We've got to conquer menticide. Oh my God. The systematic destruction of the mind. We've got to get to the point where we stop believing the lies of the enemy. Because the Bible said, as a man think, so is he. We've got to change our mindset. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. You've got to believe that better is possible. Uh, didn't I tell you just last week, I believe God. Amen. You've got to believe. Whose report shall you believe? You ought to tell somebody, I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. Everybody else walked by him and told him he'd never walk. He'd be laying there all the time for the rest of his life. But they came and they gave him some inspiration enough to believe that I can get up out of this situation. And I came to inspire somebody today that no matter what your current situation is, you can move out of that situation. I came to inspire you that you don't have to be broke all the time. Time. Oh, you got to take on a millionaire mentality, even if you got a pauper's bank account. Y'all ain't going to help me in here today. Oh, my, my, my. You got to start acting like something before you get to something, because the thought is the father to the deed. What am I talking about? There's nothing that you do that you don't think about first. Everything you ever do, it starts as a thought in your mind. You never get to the fruition unless it first starts as a thought. And if the enemy can control your mind and cut off the thoughts of success, the thoughts of healing, the thoughts of freedom. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, the thoughts of wealth, the thoughts of health, the thoughts of wholeness, then he's already defeated you. Uh, tell your neighbor, you need to change your mind. Uh, you got to start acting like that which you are not uh, until that which you think about becomes. Uh, oh, God, I think I say that. This program has been underwritten by Reverend Dr. Calvin J. McFadden Sr., celebrating 45 years of life and 30 years of ministry. The senior pastor of St. John's Church, Reverend Dr. Calvin J. McFadden Sr. Let's have a party, party, an all-black affair. affair. Friday, October 26, 7 o'clock p.m. until 12 midnight. Shea Joseph, Akawan, Massachusetts. The event is free. Donations are expected and appreciated. Tickets can be picked up at St. John's Church Office, 45 Hancock Street. Proceeds to benefit the MLK Charter School of Excellence. Entertainment by Mulatto. The Sunday morning worship service is October 27, 9.30 a.m. Worship with the Savior. Special guest preacher, Dr. William Holmes Robinson. Senior pastor of the Olivet Church, Fayetteville, Georgia. WTCC would like to thank the Reverend Dr. Calvin J. McFadden Sr. for underwriting with us. This program has been underwritten by Gator Jazz. Hey, everybody. This is Walter for Gator Jazz. Jazz presents Alex Bouillon. Yes, it's Alex Bouillon performing all of his hits. October 26th at City Stage, 150 Bridge Street, Springfield, Massachusetts. Doors open at 7, shows at 8 o'clock. Special guest performance by Joe Solons and Company. For ticket information online at Gator Jazz Presents Alex Bouillon. Alex Bouillon. Or 413-949-0683. It's going to be a Gator Jazz Funk Park. Hey! WTCC would like to thank Gator Jazz for underwriting with us. Ninety point seven WTCC. Good morning. Welcome to the spoken word. Bishop Swan in your radio. Good morning to everybody who's listening from everywhere 
everybody from everywhere um, who's out there uh, chiming into our conversation uh, on today. Uh, everyone who's listening over the internet, over our 4,000 watts, over our various streaming services. Good morning to each and every single one of you. Well, angry black men, angry black women, what y'all mad for? What y'all so upset for? Why y'all so angry? How many of you have ever heard that? If you're black, you always heard it. Um, um, especially if you're passionate about the freedom, justice, and equality of your people. If you've expressed any level of outrage at anything that's happening in America, you've been called angry by some white person. Said I've had folks call on this show. You sound so angry. Yeah, I am. And what's your point? You know, I, you, let them kill your people. And the courts tell them that's okay. All right? Uh, 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 let your children get on a job and find out that the person of another color who's less qualified or equally qualified is making way more money than they are simply because they're a different skin tone. You know, let what's happening to black people and has happened to black people historically in America happen to your people. And you're going to be angry as well. The late, great um, James Baldwin said to be black and conscious in America is to be in a consistent state of rage. All you got to do is be conscious and black. I mean, if you're unconscious, if you ain't woke, then you can go and pretend ain't nothing happening because we got some folk like that that are out there. We got some white supremacy apologists, some blind folk who run around acting like ain't nothing happening. We got the Brandom Tatums of the world talking about racism ain't a problem. I've never experienced racism. Mm-hmm. They're going to catch up to his black. Anyway, um, but to be conscious and black in these yet-to-be United States of America, you're always going to be angry about something. All you got to do is turn on the television, read the newspaper, check out what's happening on your job, uh, uh, in your children's school, or wherever you might be. Every single day, there's going to be something that comes up that causes anger. There have been studies that say that PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, is a constant in black people caused by racism in America. That most of the stress, discomfort that we go through is because of what we know we have to face or what we're facing in America by an immutable trait, our blackness, something we can't change, something we can't do anything about. You know, that's the reason why we get upset when people try to compare blackness and what we go through to any other demographic and try to pretend it's on the same level. That's the reason we get upset when you take the black struggle and try to make um, uh, 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 what the LGBT community uh, feel are their struggles on equal playing field because they're not because on any given day, I don't have to tell you what my sexuality is. It's none of your business. What I do in my bedroom and who I love and all that kind of stuff. I can never ever conceal my blackness. When a gay person applies for a job, there's nothing on that application that asks them, about their sexuality. There's no way the interviewer knows what their sexuality is. But as soon as I walk in the room, they know I'm black. Period. So there is no comparison with the black struggle in America. And and, and we get tired of folk trying to pretend that other folks' struggles 
are on equal playing field with our struggle, either currently or historically. And so we got a right to be outraged in America. You know, not just the historical stuff, but the current stuff that's going on. Y- y'all elected a white supremacist as president. We ain't supposed to be upset about that. I mean, come on, honestly, honestly, to all of my viewers and listeners who are black, on the morning after 46 minus 1 was elected, just be honest, didn't you feel a unique wave of despair, anger, fear, depression? Because it washed over black America. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Good morning, caller. All right. I don't know if the caller hung up. I hope I'm not having any technical difficulties with the phone lines again. Good morning, caller. Good morning. You're on the air. Yes. Can I speak to Irene, please? You got, you're, you're on a live radio show. There's no Irene here. 413-736-2781. If you want to chime in on the radio program, ain't no Irene, ain't no Tyrone. It's just me uh, in the studio. 413-736-2781. I mean, let, let's just be honest. There, there was a wave of depression that came across America after we learned that this open racist, this blatant white supremacists had been elected president and that nearly 70% of white people in America voted for him. Okay. Let's, let's, let's not get it twisted about where white America is. And, you know, it's not saying that every white person is any specific way, but let's be honest about the numbers that 70% of white people, that means seven out of every 10 white folk that you come in contact with, they voted for this white supremacist. Seven out of ten. Don't get it twisted. Good morning, caller. Seven out of ten voted for him. So black folk were, were left, I mean, seeking refuge. You know, we went to the Bible. We went, we had to be comforted. Our children had to be comforted. Me and my wife had to comfort our 12-year-old. He's now 12-year-old. He was nine. He was depressed. He can't even vote, but was smart enough to know what the election of Donald Trump meant. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Hello. You're on the air. Hey, how's it going, man? It's going. You know, I, I, I hear that black people are having a hard time here and there. You know, but everybody in America that came to America has had a hard time. Is that correct? You, you really don't want to go there with me, do you? Are you really are you really trying to compare? Wait, 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 wait. Hold up. I'm asking. A, let me ask the question. We're not going to talk at the same time. All right. Let me tell you the rules of engagement. I talk, then you talk. Okay. You're not going to over talk me. I got the controls. Now, let me ask my question, then you can answer, okay? Now, are you going to sit here and pretend that everybody who came to America came to America like black folk came to America? Because the last time I checked, white folks from Europe, from Italy, Poland, Germany, wherever they came from, they came here voluntarily seeking a better life. Because of an America that had been built and become wealthy off of the labor of black people who came here by force. So are you really trying to compare everybody had a hard time? You tell me when when were they put in chains? When, when were they when were they made chattel? OK, are you really trying to make that comparison? There's no Native Americans, right? So why don't we stop racism by stop putting everybody into race? White folks put everybody into race. What are you talking about? No, no, they don't. 
true. When I apply, if I apply for any government assistance whatsoever, they ask you 14 times what your race is. They ask you if you're Hispanic 30 times. What does that And who's mean? they? Who's they? Apply for a job. If you apply for a job. Time out. Time out. Who is they? Is time out. Uh, time out. Answer the, Who is they? Well, the state, right? If you apply for and who made those rules? Did 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 black folk make them rules? Wait, wait, wait. Did, did black folk did black folk make them rules? Man, are you what what about the rules of engagement do you not understand? I'm trying to keep you on the line, man, but you you can't keep out talking me. That ain't gonna work. Now, once again, who is the they that created these governmental rules that ask people about race? Did black folk do that? Uh, man, okay, so you just gonna keep talking. You off the air. 413-736-2781. Dude doesn't know how to have a conversation. You know, he thinks he can just keep talking like it's his radio program. No, you're not gonna get away with that ratchet argument that everybody who came here had a hard time. Cause last time I checked, your ancestors from Poland, Germany or wherever they came from, they were never held in chains. They were never chattel. They never had generations that had to uh, give forced labor. They never went through what black folk went through. Stop that comparison. There is none. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Yes, good morning, sir. I just want to weigh in on the topic you're speaking on right now. And uh, individuals like their... And, you know, the, the person that you just finished talking to there, uh, there's a lot of people out there, um, you know, white, Caucasian, however you want to label that, with that same uh, mentality, but they're not going to say it like this guy right here. He just got an answer in his pants to where he has to say something every week or whenever uh, he hear you saying something. But the whole deal is right now, and we got to look at it, black people have built this this whole country and most of the stuff, a lot of uh, major stuff in the world, but then you you look at it to where they're surrounded by you or you're in the mix, and they don't want to be bothered because now it seems as though you're insignificant. So to me, um, I don't plan on going anywhere. My parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, or whoever was born in this country or enslaved in this country, so... Right now, people just may as well look, and I'll, I'll say it all the time. Well, you know, well, you know, you, you, you know, oftentimes, you know, folks say that kind of stuff. You know, you don't like it here in America. Go back to Africa. Go back to where you. First of all, you like D.L. Hughley says you can't return stolen goods. Okay, because y'all stole us from Africa. And then the other thing is, most of the time, the crazy white folk who are telling us to go back to Africa. Our families have been here longer than theirs. My family's been here about seven generations. They, they grandparents came over here from the old country, and they're two generations in telling me to go back somewhere. Now, y'all go back to Europe first. Well, and that, that's exactly it. So, And our people just have to realize that right now, systemically, uh, everything is geared up, you know, right from, from day one now. Uh, as you say, is number, number 46 minus one. It's been elected. That's why you had the majority of these people, and you're the people that you know that I'm talking about, that voted for this guy. They want to have a country that's separated, so to speak, but then they want to be individuals. So that's not going to happen because black people are not going anywhere. You and I are planning not to go anywhere. So people just may as well wake up, and we have to do what we have to do because right now, uh, you know, I'm a— fifth-degree person, black belt in karate. So my whole mentality is fighting, and it don't have to be physical. But when the fight comes out, people have to realize we got to fight for what we need and what we want. So thank you very much, sir. You have a good day. All right. Thank you for your call. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Hi. Uh, I just discovered your station. I'm a white guy living in East Long Meadow. On Turn your radio area. down. Turn your radio down. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh Anyway, I just discovered your station, and all I can say is, here, here, you said it the way it is said, it should be said, and I'm almost embarrassed, because you guys are right, you are 100% right, 
I appreciate your call. Thank you for calling. 413-736-2781. Listen, 70% of white folks, embarrassingly, 8% of black people. I don't know what they were thinking. And 29% of Latinos still themselves voting for a president a dude who's retweeted white supremacists, who promised to increase stop and frisk policing in poor black neighborhoods, who falsely connected Mexican immigrants to crime, who uh, spoke disparagingly about black folk being lazy, who tried to get black boys murdered with the Central Park Five, who launched his political brand by racism, by attacking the legitimacy of the first black president, you know, whether or not he was born in America. This is who they hitched themselves to. And you're going to tell black folk that they shouldn't be angry, you know, uh, and, and it wasn't about policy or anything because because he didn't have any political positions. He he didn't he did he he had no policy statements when he was running for president. Um, it was about attaching yourself to white supremacy. Um, and you white supremacy apologists, you don't get a free pass either. What does it mean, though, that so many whites voted for someone who so many of us view as racist? Well, Van Jones, um, when he was being interviewed right after the election, he called the results a white lash against a changing country. And that's exactly what it was. It was a white lash against black progress um, that black folk had a black president for eight years and we can't take it no more. We got to take our country back, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so there was literally a white lash in the election of Trump who was able to masterfully tap in on a perception that black people and other people of color were causing poor and working class white folks pain that, that somehow, you know, it was the immigrants, it was lazy black folk. It was these Mexicans. They're the reason why y'all are going through what you're going through. And he created political popularity using the racist techniques um, and he continues to do that. And, and then it's not just the election of a white supremacist. I mean, it goes back before him because racism didn't start with Trump. Um, we got a right to be angry and frustrated. Um, now, there's many folks who say that racism is a thing of the past. But let's just be serious. I mean, black folks live disproportionately in poverty. They make, on average, 30 to 45 percent less income than whites that they're equally qualified with. They receive inferior education. They're more likely to occupy dangerous jobs, to live in polluted and run-down neighborhoods. They have worse health uh, outcomes, higher incidence of disease. We die younger. We get killed and profiled by police more. The list goes on and on in terms of the systemic racism that we face each and every single day of our lives. We live in a racist system, point blank, period. And we lack the power to change it on our own. And white folks obviously are not invested in helping us change it when 70% of them are voting for white supremacists. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. You're on the air. Good morning, Bishop Good morning. I've been following you for a few, few months now, and I admire you know, some of the a lot of the things that you're saying, and uh, 
I mean, I just, uh, just managed to get it on to see what the today's discussion was about. Um, yeah, it's been uh, going through a pretty tough time in, in our country right now. And, uh, you know, I appreciate, you know, the work that you're putting in. And uh, I'm aware that today it's uh, the National Day of uh, Outrage. Because in honor of the, many of the black women who get killed by the police, it's, it's very sad. So, you know, it's great that young people like you and others are putting in the effort to raise awareness. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, I think, you know, it's very, uh, tough, you know, during this, during times like these, um, you know, uh, with the, yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to say. Well, all right. For taking my call. Appreciate your call. 413-736-2781. And since we lack the power to change it by ourselves, since 77% of the nation is still white. It, it 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 it's really time for our white brothers and sisters there are some who do but not nearly enough to admit what white supremacy and racism in America continues to do stop pretending it's a thing of the past need to admit that they benefit from racism And they've benefited in many ways throughout history. They've profited from black exploitation. Um, And whether it's receiving a superior education, whether it's being allowed to purchase homes because banks don't redline them, uh, or to secure loans at lower interest rates, being able Uh, to vote because it was a time we weren't even able to do that. That just came into being in my lifetime that black folk got the right to vote. Um, Being granted citizenship when other racial groups could not. That's a reality in America. Uh, They haven't had their families torn apart through slavery, through unfair imprisonment and mass incarceration, through deportation, violence or murder at the same rates of black folks, if even at all. I mean, there are just too many instances of black folk continuing to be maligned and murdered when we speak out about white supremacy and racism in America. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Good morning, Bishop. Um, thanks for taking the call. You know, everything that you're saying, is, of course, is right on point. And I agree that, you know, white people need to stand up and, and be continue to be allies. Um, I think that what we need to focus on here, actually, in our city of Springfield, is the voting, right? I think if our people, uh, black and brown people, got out and vote the way that we're supposed to vote, we wouldn't be in this situation right now, you know. Um, you know the, the percentage rate in Springfield. I think it was less than ten percent at the um, primary that we. Just it, had. it was it was and far it, below ten percent. It was oh pathetic. It was it's absolutely awful. pathetic when 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 black folk come out and vote at the four or five percent rate. We don't really have a right to stand up and complain about the politics no. in our city. When we're not participating in the process. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So my my thing, I want to figure out how can we get our people out to vote to let them know that their vote will count, because that's what I always hear. Oh, my vote's not going to count. They're not going to count. And if you don't cast it, of course, it's not going to count. But if you cast it, let's see what happens. Let's try it. You know what I mean? So I want to figure out how to do that. Absolutely. Appreciate your call. Thank you, Bishop. You know, she's absolutely right. Um, um, you know, w- we can't continue to sit on the sideline and then complain about what's happening. And listen, black folk, you don't only go out and vote every four years when you're voting for a president. 
and you really need to focus in on your local politics because the quality of life issues that affect you the most happening at that local level, um, whether or not some of y'all in Springfield don't like the trash fee. You, you, you complain about the potholes on your street, um, the tax rate, you know, for, for homeowners. All of those things, the, 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 the local police department, all of those things are controlled at the local level. But yet when we elect a mayor, which we're doing um, uh, this November, a city council, which we're doing this November, a school committee, etc. Y'all stay home and then complain. Then y'all want to come out next year for the presidential election, but don't get involved in your local elections. So we've got a, a, a part to play. Um, and part of that is keeping people who have a white supremacist mentality out of public office. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Yes, good morning, Bishop Horn. I'm the mother of three adult sons. My recently deceased 91-year-old mother shared a story with my siblings and myself growing up of how her father, who was born in 1898 in Patterson, New Jersey, once went to the poll, voting poll, as a young man, cast his vote, very proudly, only to hear the white poll takers, if I'm saying that word correctly, I'm not sure, anyway, to say aloud, well, that's one that won't get counted, and ripped it up in front of his face. And I stress, I stress to these young people, do it for people who have gone through something they know nothing about. Absolutely. You know, I had to, I was having this discussion with, with my um, 19 year old last night. He was on his way back to campus uh, at UMass. Um, and, and I told him, boy, uh, I'm tell you like my mother told me, you know, people died um, so that yeah. you would have the right to vote. And so you going to vote. Period. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and we've got to instill that uh, in our young people and let them understand that people sacrificed a lot just so we would be able yeah. to appreciate your call. Thank you. And I mean, my grandfather was disgraced, but he didn't lose his life. But I mean, the pain and, and the horror of it is, is still there. Absolutely. Thank Good morning, you. caller. <laughs> caller, you're on the air. All right, 413-736-2781. I'll take your calls until show close. Um, you know, in, in order for us to establish an equitable system, it's going to require white folk to get on board, um, uh, understand uh, they've been granted privileges simply by being born white. Um, and structural pluralism must be used to promote black people and other people, other non-white people into positions of power and, 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 and into some level of equity. Everybody, irrespective of race, has to recognize their role, the role they play in maintaining this current system. And, and they have to commit to changing it. Good morning, caller. Hello. You're on the air. Good morning, Bishop. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. This is Kevin. I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia. All right. Wanted to say enjoy your program, and I wanted to uh, uh, talk with you uh, uh, about the importance of uh, taking control of the narrative. And uh, that's one thing that I appreciate about what you do with your program and what you do with your with your Facebook page and your social media outlets as well. Uh, the essence of white supremacy in my opinion, is is this idea of the white man or white people uh, feeling or, or, or believing that they have the last word on things. So in, in, in any time that they can assert or feel that they can maintain uh, 
that they have the, the final word, or as long as we allow them to have the final word, uh, that will help to perpetuate white supremacy. So uh, in, in addition to uh, you know voting and being active in our community and so on, wherever possible, we need to push back and take control of, of the narrative and not allow them to have the, the last word. We have a, a, a hundred, 200, 300 plus years worth of historical uh, evidence and, and data with which to refute them and which, with which to oppose them, as well as the Word of God, as well as that the own Bible that they say that they believe in. So I just wanted to share that with you, and thank you for your program. All right. Thank you for your call, and that's a great way uh, to segue out of the program. Uh, let me slip in one last call. Good morning, caller. You're the last caller. Hey, uh, uh, Bishop Talbot. Uh, good morning. I, I, I just wanted to um, uh, um, piggyback off of what the last caller said. I don't think that we can talk about white um, supremacy um, without talking about white black inferiority. You can't have one without the other. So we've got to deal with both of those at some point. I don't I don't think uh, white folks is going to change that because of the position that they're in. They're not going to give up um, living good, beneficial, um, great neighborhoods, you know, uh, gentrifying um, neighborhoods that they want to be close to where they want to work. That's not going to happen. Well, the late, so, the late, the late great uh, Frederick Douglass put it the best. Power exceeds nothing. Without a demand. That's the reality. We've got to demand it. They're not going to give it up. i got to get out your way. James Lewis is in the studio. He's coming up next with mid-morning jazz and great black music. Remember, the National Day of Outrage is happening today, 5.30 p.m., across the street from Symphony Hall at the Black Women's Monument, right on the side of the courthouse in the back of the old First Church. We'll be joining over 25 other cities across the nation expressing our outrage, uh, honoring the life of a Tatiana Jefferson uh, and black women who have been murdered, abused uh, by police uh, across the nation uh, and demanding justice. Wear black, be there. I got to get out your way until the next time I talk to you and you talk.